Today I want to preach a, a message, it's a, a one-off, it's something that I preach every, every year in some form or context, but a, a message on kingdom builders. And today I want to preach on an open heaven, an open heaven. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 28. We'll be in Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10. But l- let me ask you this question. Does anybody else get anxiety pumping gas right now? Now, let me, oh, let me, <laughs> I heard some chuckles. Let me be clear, not because of the gas prices, all right? But, but does anybody else get anxiety pumping gas? And this is what I'm talking about. You, you put the pump in your gas tank, and you squeeze a little lever, and then you put that little, that little flap down, and that flap is supposed to pump the gas for you. And then you walk away, and what happens? It releases. Like, it, it's frustrating. So you squeeze it again, and you try to fix it again, and you're like, okay, if I'm on a road trip, then I'm going to run into the, the gas station. I'm going to maybe use the bathroom, grab a snack, and you expect your gas tank to be full when you come back, and it says something like $2.14. Because, because that little lever released, and now the gas isn't flowing. I know that Pastor Doug over in Concord, he's going to be using this same metaphor today because a couple months back we were on our staff retreat and we had to stop for gas a couple times. And and there was a moment that he and I both wanted to fight the gas pump because we kept squeezing the lever and it just kept releasing. We couldn't fill the truck up with gas. We, we We couldn't get it full. And I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I get a little anxious and I'm a little depressed because now it's cold and i got to stand outside and pump the gas. Like if the little lever isn't going to work, then like just get rid of it. I'll stand there and pump the gas, but I get anxious, I get a little depressed, and I just want to fight an inanimate object. Like I literally want to fight. Nope, nobody else, just me. All right, I'm just being real with you today. But like I want to fight the gas pump sometimes because it's not filling up my tank. I think some of us live with an undercurrent of financial anxiety. Like it... Is this going to shut off? Pastor, are you talking about money today? I am. If you're new, I don't always talk about money, but this is what I got to say. I'm going to preach what the Bible says. I'm going to preach everything that's in the Bible. Three months ago, I preached on sexual immorality. We just got out of a four-week series on fear. If it's in the Bible, I get to preach about it. Why? Because it's the Word of God. I want to I preach and I want to teach. I want to teach through this. I think that's... Amen. Say it again, Gary. I just know who you are. I can tell by your voice. But some of us live with an undercurrent of financial anxiety. Is is this going to shut off? What if the company that I just started working for takes a downturn? What What if I don't get the bonus at the end of the year that I was expecting? What if? What if this new economy that we're in absolutely crushes me? What if? What if I work in the service industry and the tips dry up? What if I'm a student in the room and and for some reason next year I lose my scholarship? What happens? You start to get anxious. You start to get depressed. And you want to fight an inanimate object. You want to fight something. Something that I think the global church does incorrectly is ask for money without teaching about money. Listen, if we're going to ask for tithe and we're going to ask for offering, then we need to teach on the tithe and the offering and not just in a two-minute spot where we get to celebrate what God is doing. Sometimes we need to open up our Bible and actually learn what the Bible says about the tithe and about the offering. And t- today I want to teach about living under an open heaven and living in the flow of heaven. Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 10, says this, Jacob left Beersheba. And he went down to Haran, and he came to a certain place, and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. 
taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. I don't know, again, I'll pause like this all the time, because there's some irony in this. Jacob had a rock for a pillow. Like, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I'm like King Tut when I sleep. I need like four or five pillows. Where's my like four or five pillow sleepers? You heard from the Lord. Where's like the, where's like the little vanilla wafer pillow sleepers? Like you lay on, you're weird. Like I need a bunch of, like who likes sleeping on a rock for a pillow? You're strange too. But like Jacob, Jacob had a rock. He had a rock for a pillow. Like sometimes I'm le- like reading scripture and I just chuckle. I just start to laugh. Jacob had a rock for a, p- <laughs> a pillow. This has zero to do with the sermon. But I, I knew I was going to do this. But I, I've got to share it anyway just to show my humanity sometimes. Um, but last night when I was preparing, like I always do like an, another run through on Saturday nights. And, and sometimes like what I do is I just go opposite of where my family is. So if my girls are downstairs, I go upstairs. If they're upstairs, I go downstairs. Last night they were downstairs. And I went upstairs to, you know, the spiritual place of my bathroom to, to practice my sermon, because that's where I practice my bathroom. Some of y'all sing in the bathroom, I practice my sermon in the bathroom. And I hear, like, I hear Jenna go, Piper Gray, like, from downstairs, and, like, these little feet running up the stairs and, like, trying to get into the bathroom and get into where I am. And she goes, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And I go, if you don't listen to your mommy, you're going to get a spanking. And then she ran back out to her. I just, wanna, I just want you to recognize for a moment that when I'm preparing for sermons sometimes, it's really not spiritual all the time. Just like in your jobs, it's not spiritual all the time. So I was like about to spank my, my daughter as I'm practicing my sermon and got to this point. Anyway, I thought that was funny, so I wanted to share it. <laughs> Talking about money, so i got to make you all laugh a little bit. Verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached the heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now you know why we have a ladder <laughs> hanging from the rafters. And behold, the Lord stood, stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham. Your father and the God of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now listen to this promise from God starting in verse 15. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, surely the, place, the, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me, and if God will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me the bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give, I will give a full tenth. To you. See, see, in Jacob's dream, in Jacob's dream, he sees God open heaven. Could you imagine this scene for just a second? Jacob sees God open heaven, and there's a ladder that comes down from heaven. Now, how many of you have been tempted to try to climb this thing since Coley? You're like six months pregnant, girl. I am not. 
I am not letting you climb it. She is the one that said, hey, can we bring this back when I don't have a baby in me so I can try to climb it? But, but can you imagine, can you imagine, oh boy, that's a long way up. But like, can you imagine, this was a good idea until right now. Y'all tell me when to stop. Okay, one person says stop, so I'm stopping. But could you imagine? Like seriously, there's a ladder coming down from heaven. Am I making anybody nervous yet? My wife's like, you're going to break your arm. I'm not going to keep going. I'm not stupid. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but, but there's this ladder that's coming down from heaven. And, and it's, not, it's not just that there's a ladder. It's not that I can just imagine and, and open heaven. But what I love about this story is that angels are freely ascending and descending down the ladder. J Jacob, in his dream, sees angels going up and down the ladder. Up and down the ladder. See, living in an open heaven is living in the flow of heaven. But, but what do we know about angels from Scripture? See, in Scriptures, angels bring messages from God. Think about Mary and Joseph. In Scripture, angels bring protection. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? They bring provision. In Psalm 78, 25, human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. Angels are involved in spiritual warfare on our behalf. Psalm 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. In the book of Revelation, I don't know if you knew this or not, maybe you haven't got to the end of the Bible yet, but in the book of Revelation, there is an angel assigned to each of the seven churches. Angels are ascending and descending down this ladder. But it's in the flow of heaven, in the flow of heaven, that catches my attention. See, Jacob says, I've seen all of this. J Jacob says, I see an open heaven. I, I see the flow of heaven. I've seen God's faithfulness and says what? I want to live here. Now, now, let me be clear. Jacob's act of giving in this particular passage was about the tithe. And today I want to talk a little bit about kingdom builders, which our miracle offering is a part of. It's our giving above and beyond our tithe. If you're new here, I'm going to break down some language that you'll hear at Multiply Church as I pre preach through biblical principles. See, our response of generosity is a declaration that we're going to live in an open heaven. Let me break down generosity and giving at Multiply Church. We have what we call a two-bucket giving system. And the first bucket is the tithe. That's 10%. Say, Pastor, how do you get that 10%? Josh said it a couple weeks ago. I'm going to steal it again. How do you get your 10%? What do you make a month? Put it in your calculator. Times it by 0 .10. Hit enter. It's that simple. Th that's what you're supposed to tithe each month. Pastor, do I tithe on the gross or on the net? I don't know. That's up to you. Jenna and I have decided to tithe 10% off of our gross income. That's what we do. But we truly believe that Scripture tells us to give 10% to the local church. I didn't get shouted down. I didn't get an amen. And then we have kingdom builders. 
That's our giving that's above and beyond our tithe. Pastor, where does that go? It goes to three specific areas. Global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. For me and Jenna, what does that look like? We give 10% of our income to kingdom builders. We, we believe in being generous because God was generous, and Scripture challenges us to be generous. And today I want to talk about our Miracle Offering Sunday. They're going to put this on the screen for you, but I'm going to read it. The Miracle Offering is the adrenaline shot to kingdom builders that enables us to finish strong. Now hear this statement. We're not twisting God's arm or buying a miracle, but faith is demonstrated by tangible acts of obedience. We not only bring our offering, we bring our faith. And with our faith, believe God for big things. So at, at the end of this message, what are we going to do? You've got those envelopes that were in your chairs on top of our Kingdom Builders booklets. And at the end of the service, we're going to step back into worship. And as an act of worship, we're going to bring those envelopes and place them in the boxes that are in front of the stage. See, sometimes we declare things with our words. Sometimes we declare things with our acts of faith, and sometimes those acts of faith involve generosity. And when you combine those three, it's more than powerful. So again, those envelopes that are in your chairs, go ahead and take a look at those now. I want everybody to grab them. That way you can't say, I didn't get one. And I want you to take a look at it. Now that you're looking at it, I want you to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. For the next 10 or 15 seconds, would you be bold enough to ask God what he actually wants you to give? I'll never ask you, now hear me, keep your eyes closed, but I'll never ask you to give something that our entire staff has not already given to. I, I can faithfully say that our entire staff has already given to kingdom builders. Now at the end of this service, I'm going to ask you to bring this envelope up and drop it in the boxes. Maybe you don't have cash. Maybe you don't, didn't bring a check. I, I mean, listen, you can text to give. We'll throw that on the screen too, however you want to give. But I want you to bring the envelope at the end of service. Once you have that number, go ahead and jot it down on that envelope, and you can go ahead and open your eyes and, and, and look back at me. Maybe throughout the service you jot it down. You don't have to jot it down right now. But listen, I, I, don't, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what God is going to ask you to give, and frankly, it's none of my business. But this is what I do know. I do believe that God wants us to participate. I, I do believe that God wants us to be faithful. And, and as we participate and as we're faithful, there's three declarations of living in an open heaven that we can experience. And the first one is this. My offspring will serve the Lord and live in the fullness of his promises. Pastor, where do you get that from? Look at verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you and to your offspring. Who's your offspring? Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Jake, I felt like we were doing our precept study when I was reading this scripture because I kept underlining the word offspring, offspring, offspring. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, just show up at Good Drip Coffee at 6.15 on Thursday, and you'll know what I'm talking about in our small group. But that, that's what I felt like. I just kept underlining the word offspring. And, and why, why did that hit me so hard? This is what I truly believe. I truly believe that the devil is after our kids. 
I, I truly believe that the enemy is after the family unit and specifically the kids. Pastor, why do you say that? Look at the, de- look at the depression in our society. Look at the anxiety in teenagers in our society. Look at the confusion over sexuality in our society when it comes to kids as young as four years old. Look at the suicide rates going up in our own area. That's why we have so many prodigal sons and daughters. And if I'm honest with you, it breaks my heart, and I'll say this with confidence. It literally scares the hell out of me for my kids to grow up in our society. All all I can think about is in our society, there's temptation around every corner. Listen, you can do what you want to in your house, but in my house, I've made a decision to do whatever I can to keep the enemy out. In, In my house, I've made a decision to slam the door shut. In my house, I refuse. I refuse to crack the door to let the enemy in. Y'all remember those Under Armour commercials? Like, we must protect this house. Like, like that, that's what I feel like when it comes to our sons and our daughters of the house. It's what I feel like when it comes to this church. I want to be a church where the sons and daughters will love the Lord. They'll serve the Lord. And they'll live with the joy of the Lord. I want to do whatever I can possible to make that happen. This is what I know. The current state of our nation is due in part to over six decades of false prophets at liberal universities indoctrinating our sons and daughters with false teaching. Catch that statement. It starts in the university. It starts in the educational system. See, if we want to take back our nation, so we, we talk a big talk. But if we truly want to take back our nation, it will begin with repentance, revival, and spiritual awakening. Repentance from the past, revival for the future, and a spiritual awakening to what God can actually do. But it must also be shaped by the academy, by the institution, by the educational system. There's no doubt that universities are a spiritual battleground and we have to take it back. So when we have the miracle, pastor, how does that, what does that have to do with the miracle offering? Well, through kingdom builders, we give to institutions like Southeastern University, who have just created the American Center for Political Leadership. See, for years, we were told that preachers had to stay away from politics. For for decades, we were told that, that preachers had to stay away, that we couldn't talk about politics. But when there is an increasing policy and agenda that smacks God in the face, we can no longer be silent. Kingdom builders, giving to future Christian leaders. That's why we partner with Southeastern University. For those of you who don't know about Southeastern University, let me break it down just a bit for you. That's where I got my undergraduate and graduate degrees from. And and Southeastern University has extension sites across the nation very similar to a university like UNC. So UNC has UNC Wilmington, UNC Asheville, UNC Greenville. Southeastern University has over 160 extension sites across the nation, of which SEU Carolina is a part of. Not only are we a part of it, we're in the top 15 of all of those extension sites across the nation. You've You've seen our students come through. You've seen the practicum students whose lives were changed because they were part of the institution. Also with future Christian leaders. 
It is our goal and our desire that every high school student be fully funded and sent on an international mission trip before they graduate. I know Gabe Hudson, he's hunting today, so we'll, you know, you watch this later, Gabe, we'll, we'll bring you back some deer meat and you'll be good. But, but Gabe went on an international mission trip a couple years ago. We didn't get to do mission trips like we normally do last year because of the, the dynamics of travel. But next year, what would it look like for all of our high school students to go on an international mission trip and to be fully funded? It's our goal that every son and daughter of the house go overseas. We also have organizations and, and institutions like Concord Academy. Well, what's Concord Academy? It's part of the Multiply family of churches. It's our K-12 through private school. And what's the purpose of that? The purpose of that is that kids will find life, they'll find freedom, they'll find family, and they'll find purpose in Jesus. And through the Kingdom Builders Fund, there was a Joyce Ashburn Memorial Fund that was set up, providing need-based financial assistance to local and global students. Mr. C, Frank Canador is a, is a good friend of mine. And if you, no, I can't say what I wanted to say about him. Billy, don't tell me that I was, don't tell him I was talking about him. But... But what he's doing through the academy, Coley, teachers like you, Brittany, last year you were there, the, the lives that are truly impacted, what you do matters. And giving through kingdom builders changes the lives of kids that are going to that school that can't afford it. The second declaration that we can make is this. Our inheritance extends to the nations, and nations will serve the Lord. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. There's no doubt in my mind that God loves nations. Genesis 12, 8 says this. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Fellas, we just read this in our Bible study. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and where? And to the end of the earth. There's no doubt that God loves nations. Take a look at this video from some of our missionaries in Israel. Thank you for your passion to transform lives all across this country with the love of Jesus. We know that we couldn't do what we do without you. We know that this year we've all been faced with many obstacles. In fact, earlier this year, we were faced with a war with Hamas in Gaza that caught us and our team off guard. But we really prayed and sought the Lord and said, how can we come in the opposite spirit of the fear and the hatred and tension that we're experiencing? So thanks to your generosity, we were able to partner with believers all across the land and be the hands and feet of Yeshua. So today we want to share with you some stories about how you impacted so many lives and brought the hope and healing of Yeshua to so many hurting people. So I'm on my way to the city of Ashdod, and this city is really close to the Gaza border. We're going to get the chance to talk to Pastor Israel Poshtar and hear about what it was like to live in a city where hundreds of rockets were directed towards them, and how as a congregation they were able to respond in the midst of the conflict. 
Ashdod is a big modern city with very tall buildings, yet we have uh, rockets and bombs coming over my city time to time. Thinking of all the families with the little kids, uh, my son's family with two little daughters, people being caught in all kinds of situations. So those who have little kids, we send them out and thank you, by the way, for helping us to send them out to north, to safe place, just to be in safety, uh, far away from here in Galilee. That use our international friends uh, just to bring hope and bless Israel tangible ways. Few miracles happened, few homes were heated by rockets. One specific house uh, that was hit by a rocket about nine feet from the explosion, there were elderly couple sitting in their sofa and explosion hit the house, it destroyed all the house and all the shrapnel went around them. When I came to this home, I couldn't believe, I spoke with the lady, she said, it's a miracle, it's a miracle, it's God. <laughs> so God doing lots of miracles. We also wanted to help one of our local partners who stumbled into an opportunity to be a light to their community. And we were doing some uh, services here with the volunteers and then we hear all our iPhones start to uh, show us the sirens and then we hear just first booms and then we see people starting just to floating into our place from the streets. And we open our place. People were scared, shaky. We give in water. We switch on some uh, relaxing music for people to see. And then, I, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 people came into the church because our church building, it's, it's actually a bomb shelter. So, and I thought, why don't we use this place to be a real shelter for people, let's say, from the south of Israel, because they were even crazy what's happened there. Why we won't just take them uh, into our place and host them here for a few weeks? We're so happy that actually our thoughts became a dream, become a goal, become a reality. Thanks for all of your support and finances, and it is amazing actually what we can do right now and what we already starting we start so fast actually when with money come the next day we already destroy the toilet to build a new one <laughs> it was amazing this is our heartbeat we want to bring people hope like the bible said do the good deeds that the people are praising the lord this is what we want to do as great as it was to help Israelis in need, we didn't want to stop there. We really wanted to walk out the words of Yeshua, to love our neighbors. So I'm on my way to the Jerusalem area where we get to talk to one of our local ministry partners and hear about this incredible opportunity we had to bless Palestinians from Gaza. Tell me about some opportunities recently that you've had to bless our neighbors. One unusual one, I guess, kind of ended up at our door with um, the people from Gaza who, who started coming into Israel to receive treatment for cancer. A lot of them, you know, this is going to sound a bit odd, but they would much rather receive treatment in an Israeli hospital than their own hospitals. Uh, what we realized is that many of these would come and they were lacking just basic support and help while they were in the country. And so one Muslim background believer, a follower of Yeshua, decided that, hey, we need to help these people. And uh, basically, he found different places where they were staying all together. And at the beginning, it was just going to visit them and provide food supplements and um, uh, giving them encouragement, praying for them and, and as they were going and everything. But then that started to develop and lots of other people came. They threw the door open to them. And uh, yeah, it's just turned into, actually, it's now relating to different children and, and different projects and people coming from, from Gaza to receive medical help here in Israel. 
miraculous story that I would say has happened is one of them actually asked, you know, a lot of them will ask for prayer, but one of them asked for prayer specifically during this time and said, you know, I'm going in for an operation in a few days, would you pray for me? A few days later he went in, the doctor looked at his chart, got ready to do the operation, he said, listen, I can't find any trace of the cancer in your body, you've been, you're healed. And obviously because he just came to faith in Yeshua as the Messiah, he ran back to the, the hotel where he was staying and he told all his friends, I've been healed, I've been healed. So this gives us the practical opportunity to build more partnerships that then build, basically build relationships that we can give away the hope that we have in Yeshua to all kinds of people from all kinds of different backgrounds. We know that Jesus promises us that in this world, we will experience tribulation, but that he has overcome the world. And in the midst of everything going on in the world, thank you for continuing to partner with us. We are believing and continuing to work towards the day where every person in Israel has an authentic encounter with the love of Yeshua. And we know that this would not be possible without you. Our team is grateful for you and we're praying for you. Thanks for coming on this journey with us. That's why, that's why things like the miracle offering and kingdom builders truly matters. It's not just some envelopes that you're going to drop in a box. It's lives that are actually changed across the world. Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 says this, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Any church that is not actively and intentionally reaching the nations is falling short of their biblical inheritance. This isn't something that's made up. It's in your Bible. The third declaration is this, my church, my city, and my community will be the house of God, filled with the presence of God. Verse 19 says this, he called the name of that place Bethel. It's Bethel. I'm going I'm to nerd out for a second. I'm, I'm going to geek out so any of my theologians in the room, any, any of my people that, that like to study scripture on, on a deeper level, let me, let me dive into this just a bit. See, you see, God's presence takes places from being something that was unnamed, something that was ordinary in scripture to what? To Bethel, to the house of God, something that was very specific. If you want to Google something later, Google incarnational theology. We talk about incarnational theology. Nothing weird, I promise. Just listen to me. It's God's cosmic, heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. Where? In Bethlehem, in a manger, was flesh and blood. The, the, God, the God of the universe, the God that stands outside of time and space, the heavenly realm that stands outside of our universe became what? Became in a manger. A, a place in a manger in Bethlehem, flesh and blood. It had a zip code. The Spirit of God has a zip code. That zip code today is 28036. That zip code today is 28115. It's 28117. It's 28123. It's 28070. It's 28078. That, that incarnational theology is in Lake Norman. When you break it down, the Spirit of God is in the church. The Spirit of God is in the city. The Spirit of God is in our homes. And the message is always this, that the God of the universe moved into your neighborhood. That the God of the universe moved into your 
life. That's why local church expansion matters. Let me catch you up real briefly on on the building project. I know many of you have been asking me about it. I've been waiting today to to share some stuff. I I sent out a text to 40 different people this past week because we started drilling our well this past week. If you didn't get the text message, don't get mad at me. I told them to forward it out. So if you didn't get it, blame them. But we're believing that we're going to hit water for our well. We're, We're building a building. Pastor, I thought we were already supposed to break ground. We were We didn't expect for Liberty Prep to be available. We didn't know that this location was even an option. We started Googling and we found out they finished their building. And and I truly believe that this place was finished in God's timing so that we could move in. Here's the challenge. The auditorium that we were going to originally build was smaller than the auditorium that we're sitting in now. Since we've moved into this facility, our church has grown 70%. Come on. I mean, y'all, that's, some, that's, something to be, that's something to be excited about. But we also had to be good stewards. This is what I believe. I, I believe that we're going to continue to grow. Not because of who we are, but we're just going to steward whatever God gives us. And so what happens if we grow in this place and move into a smaller space? It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's like having more kids and moving into a smaller house. Like, it, it doesn't work. So what we elected to do was to go ahead, we went to the board to go ahead and build phase two of our building. That auditorium is going to seat about 380 individuals. Well, pastor, what happens if we outgrow that? That's when we start planting more churches. Can, can I give you the vision for a second? Can, can I dream for just a second? We're not going to build some big building that will seat five, ten thousand people. This is what we believe. We believe of communities that will have three to four hundred people in their church and then begin to plant other churches across Lake Norman. What if there were five multiplied churches across Lake Norman? What if we had a multiplied church in Statesville? What, what, if, what if, I'll look in this area specifically, what if we had a multiplied church in Huntersville? What if we had a multiplied church in Huntersville? What if, what if God is setting stuff up for us to have a multiplied church in Huntersville? What, what, would it, what would it look like if we had a multiplied church in Denver? You already know that we're planning in Hickory. What would it look like for us to take the gospel message? Hear me. I know it's semantics. We don't plant the church. We plant the gospel. And then the ecclesia forms around it. The church forms around the gospel message. To say we're planting a church is to say we're planting a hospital for people who aren't sick. To say we're planting a church is saying, you know what, we're going to set up a church and we're going to pray that Christians come. I don't want just Christians walking through the building. I want lost people walking through the building. I want people whose marriages are falling apart to walk through the building. I want alcoholics to walk through the building. I want prostitutes to walk through the building. I want want people who are far away from God to walk through the building. But what I know is it takes a healthy body to receive those people. It takes a healthy community to welcome them in. So we're building, we're building a building. We'll be in the building by the end of 2023. They've given me some dates. We're waiting on some steel to come back to see when we can get that in because that's a nightmare right now. But this is what I know. We're moving into a building. Not so we can get comfortable. So that we can continue to expand the kingdom of God. Many of you have been praying for the church. Many of you have been praying for the building. You've been praying for the growth. 
and you've been building the kingdom spiritually and we need that that's one pillar what happens if you partner in your giving that's when you start to physically build the church let me go ahead and close this message what I love about scripture and what I love about Jacob's story is that Jacob didn't have to climb the ladder y'all saw me looking like a monkey swinging it's basically impossible to climb this ladder without somebody holding the bottom sure if you're strong enough yeah I get it you could you could get up the ladder but but too often we think we have to climb the ladder too often we think we have to make it to heaven somehow can I remind you in scripture that we don't have to climb the ladder to heaven that heaven came down the ladder that God came down in the form of a baby in a manger thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven God didn't say bring earth to heaven he said you know what I'm going to bring heaven down to earth I'm bringing heaven to you I'm bringing salvation to you and then what does Jacob say? Let's make this the house of the Lord. Let's make this the house of the Lord. Verse 17 says this, and he was afraid. and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So as you grab those envelopes, Jen and I have already given online. But we, we wrote our names down. And I'm going to step off the stage and I'm going to have my personal moment with my wife as we drop it into the boxes. But, but what, if, what if your declaration was this? What if your declaration was this is the house of God? What if your declaration was this is the gate of heaven and I'm going to live here as we step into worship?